Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. The testimonies that come before you each and every day, every service that we have, we have somebody that's exploding on the inside so much they can't hold it in anymore. They've got to tell what God's doing in their life. That's an example of Christian swag. That's an example of a Christian standing with Almighty God. That's what we should all be striving for, and that's what we can all experience. Galatians 2.20 tells us to live our lives by faith. When we trust in God, we're exhibiting faith and our faith in God begins to build a testimony. That testimony will be used by God to grow our confidence, and then that confidence will produce boldness, which adds to our faith, sort of like a faith circle. And if that circle's centered around God, then we'll have never-ending abundant lives. And that's the focus of today's message. I hope you enjoy. Well, we've been talking about uh, having swag, more specifically having Christian swag. And swag comes from the word swagger. Swagger is when you behave in a very confident manner. Not just confident, not just bold, but a very confident manner. And when we operate in swag, sometimes we can get in trouble unless we're operating in Christian swag. Swag simply stands for standing with Almighty God. As Christians, we should always be standing with Almighty God. Let me tell you what happens when you do stand with Almighty God. The favor of God begins to pour out upon you. And people begin to take notice of that favor. And they're going to respond to you one of a couple ways. They're either going to respond to you by elevating you to a higher position, as in the days of Joseph when he rose to second in command, or they're going to take notice and see you as a threat, as an enemy, and they're going to try to keep you down and put you down and take you out, as in the days of the Israelites uh, and Moses. But what's important to remember is that if we are standing with Almighty God, we have the protection of Almighty God. And as we're attacked from our enemy, because remember, we're not attacked in the flesh. It may seem like it's a fleshly attack, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness, against spiritual forces. So if we're being attacked in the spirit, we have to remember that God will protect us. And not only will he protect us, but our blessings will continue to increase as we stand with Almighty God. And the fear in our enemy Will increase, And I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen anybody when their fear level increases, it's interesting that this pandemic has happened. God gave me these sermons before coronavirus was, was labeled a pandemic. And I got to thinking about that today, and I was a little concerned. I didn't want people to take my message as me speaking directly to what's happening with the coronavirus. It, it has very little to do with the coronavirus. It has more to do with uh, living out our lives in faith and witnessing and ministering. But what happens when we begin to see, when we begin to have increased fear is sort of what you're seeing in the world today, where we go to extremes. So think about that in terms of our enemy. If our enemy's fear begins to increase, don't you think he's going to begin to reach and overreact and just do some extreme things? So it shouldn't, it shouldn't come as a surprise that when our enemy attacks us and we continue to stand with Almighty God, that those attacks become even more extreme and even more outrageous. And that's why God promised us peace that passes all understanding. Because even in the midst of those attacks, we can have peace. We should have peace. With the outbreak that's happening right now, we want to be smart, but we should be at peace. We should not be at fear. Because our God is in control. I like the way that Wayne McDill talked about 
having faith. He said the measure of a Christian is not the measure of his virtue, his ministry, his moral life, his stewardship, or any of the other criteria we usually cite. Though all of these elements of character are important, the true measure of a Christian is in his faith. You know, there is a faith circle. As we begin to step out and trust God and have faith in him, we begin to develop a testimony. And as that testimony grows, we begin to show more and more confidence. And as we begin to get more and more confident, we begin to increase in boldness. And as we increase in boldness, it adds to our faith. And as our faith is added to, our testimony continues to grow. And as our testimony continues to grow, our confidence begins to increase. Are you getting the idea here? It's a never-ending circle, and as we do it more and more and more, right in the center of that circle should be what? God. Our circle should be centered around God. And if it is, then it's a never-ending circle of faith, testimony, confidence, and boldness. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, we've got to live a life of faith. We have to live a life of faith. Let me go back to that circle of faith for just a second. As we step out in faith, again, I told you that our testimony begins to build and our confidence increases, which causes us to have boldness. One of the side effects of boldness, though, becomes boasting. And as human beings, especially living in America, we are tempted every day to boast in ourselves. It reminds me of a story about a frog and two cranes. This little frog was living in a pond with his two friends. Both of them were cranes. If you don't know what a crane is, it's just a bird, okay? And it was beautiful. It was just overflowing with just, you know, fauna and flora, and, and just, it was awesome. It was phenomenal. Until one day a drought came upon them, and it began to dry up. And the frog and the cranes were a little concerned. They knew that they needed to find themselves a new promised land, if you will. And the cranes weren't worried because they could fly. They could fly over the treacherous terrain that lie before them. But the frog could not. So the three of them got together, they put their heads together, and they thought, and they thought, and they thought. Finally, they came up with a plan. The two cranes would carry a stick in their mouths, and our frog, we'll call him Mr. Brilliant, would latch onto the center of that stick with his mouth. And they would fly to a new promised pond. And as they began to fly and go on their journey, they came to a village. And they looked down and noticed that that village, too, had suffered from the drought. And so they knew they wouldn't be able to land there. So they continued on their journey. But as they continued on their journey, they noticed that people began to stare at them in amazement and wonder. They'd never seen such a sight. They looked up and began to talk to themselves. Two cranes carrying a stick, carrying a frog. That was pretty interesting. And they began to wonder out loud, who was the brilliant mastermind behind this plan? Who came up with this great idea? And not missing a beat, our frog friend, shall we say our self-boasting frog friend, decided to inform them who came up with the plan. And as he opened his mouth to explain to them who came up with the plan, he suddenly realized he was in trouble. 
And unfortunately, our frog friend became a big zero that day. Splat. You see, sometimes we, and I'll have to raise my hand, we open our big mouths to boast in ourselves only to find ourselves splattered on the ground. Thankfully, we have a Savior who comes along to scoop us up, put, put us back together again, and send us back out in hopes of understanding who really is carrying the stick. That's the Savior we serve. Because unfortunately, sometimes we do open our big mouths only to feel the sting of reality. You see, boldness creates boasting. But boasting must be done the right way as a Christian. Let's look at some scriptures about the proper way to boast. If you look in your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, says, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. Let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Turn over uh, to Philippians 4.13. It's one of the more famous scriptures. You see athletes and other people wear this scripture all the time on their wristbands and helmets and, and eyewear. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key there is that Christ is the one who strengthens us. And if he strengthens us, we can do all things. But we have to remember that the opposite of that is true as well. Look at John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So here in Philippians, he reminds us that we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us. And in John, he reminds us that without him, we can do nothing. We've got to look to our God. That's where we get our Christian swag from. Turn over to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. I'm going to read to you verse 26, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 30 through 31. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Then down in verse 30 it says, But by his, talking about God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I like the way Charles Spurgeon said it. You know, we're looking for a cure for viruses. Charles Spurgeon talked about a cure for boasting in yourself. The prevention or cure of glorying in men and riches in self is glorying in the Lord. It's that simple. The cure for boasting in yourself is to boast in the Lord instead. Again, boldness brings boasting. We have to remember the proper way to boast, to remember who's really the architect. I remember one time, or growing up, Dad and I would play Mercy. Anybody ever play the game Mercy. If you've never played the game Mercy, you basically interlock fingers with your opponent, okay? And the goal is to push their wrists back so far that they cry out in pain and say, Mercy. It's that simple. It's a fun game. Great game to play with your dad. And as I was growing up and getting older and getting stronger, I began to win at the game of Mercy. That's right. And I began to boast about my winnings in the game of Mercy. And I began to get full of myself in the game of Mercy until one day while on vacation at my grandparents' house in Daytona Beach. 
We're playing mercy. And I guess dad forgot his strength. And as I'm boasting and bragging and think I'm winning, he pushes back a little harder than he normally did. And I felt the sting and I cried out mercy. Not only did I feel the sting and cry out mercy, I had a revelation at that point in time. I was wrong. I had a misunderstanding of who was really in control. I didn't realize he was holding back. You see, God blesses us so much that sometimes we can get it twisted and begin to think that we're the ones that are orchestrating that success. God is the one that has orchestrated our success. He is the architect of our faith. He is the one building our testimony. He is the one building our confidence. He is the one increasing our boldness. You think you're going through something and God's not there for you? It's just the opposite. If you don't go through something, you'll never grow into something. You have to go through something to build your testimony. The best stories are about adventures. They're about obstacles. They're overcoming obstacles. That's what builds your testimony. And that's what God allows in our lives. So don't think of going through that hardship as God not being there for you. Begin to look to God for why you're going through that hardship. You know, Job went through some hardship. Job went through a lot of hardship. And his friends didn't understand it either. As a matter of fact, they, they grasped at straws. They tried to give him advice, best they had. But they didn't understand how God could abandon his servant. God hadn't abandoned his servant at all. Job was going through something. Job was growing into something even more than he already was. You see, Job got it twisted. He proclaimed and professed God. And everybody saw that in his life. But when times got extremely rough, he began to question his creator. He began to doubt. Now, it took a little while. It took a lot to happen. But God used that experience to grow him even more to give him an even bigger testimony, to create even more confidence in him, and to create even more boldness in him that he could continue to share the love of God. You see, we can't boast unless we know what we're boasting about. When I was playing mercy with dad and winning, I was boasting because of my experience. I knew who I was. I didn't realize I had it a little twisted. And I really wasn't as strong as I thought I was. But that's exactly what happens to us and God. We begin to get strong through our beliefs, through our swag, through our Christianity. And then we begin to believe in ourselves, forgetting who's really in charge, who's really building us up. And so every once in a while, God has to remind us just who's in charge. And we feel the sting, and we've got to cry out mercy. So if you're going to boast in something or someone... It would help if you knew that something or someone. Amen. So as we go to Job, let's, let's look at who God is. Now this is Job's response to his friend and the challenge of maybe God abandoning him. And he's reminding him who God is. He says, the dead tremble. The dead tremble. I've never met a dead person that trembled. But in front of God, the dead tremble. Those under the waters and those inhabiting them. In other words, it doesn't matter the depths of the seas. Nobody escapes God. 
Sheol is naked before him and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space. And check this one out. He hangs the earth on nothing. Have you ever hung something on nothing? I can't do it. But yet I'm willing to boast and brag in myself. I get it twisted. He binds up the water in his thick clouds. You know, we've had a lot of rain over the last few weeks, over the last few months. But none of the clouds literally burst and disintegrated and went away. They held that water until the time was right and God released that water to the earth. God created those clouds to do that. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I know there's a cycle to that water. And I know that as it releases, somehow it, it gets recycled, it gets used, it, get, it, it, it helps our world. It's by design. When our bodies get sick, when we get hurt, we heal. It's by design. One of the things that's interesting to me is there's not an actual cure for viruses like the flu, and I'll just go with the flu, but there are ways to help the symptoms, to make you feel more at ease as you go through it and as your body fights the virus. And the majority of the time, our bodies win that fight. God designed that. God set that up, not us. When we have victory over something, we have that victory because of God, because of what he's done, not because of anything that we did. He lets us share in that victory and feel as if it is our victory. That's how awesome he is. Just like my dad let me feel like I was winning at the game of mercy and building up my confidence because that's the kind of dad he is. The same is true about God our Father. It goes on and it says, he covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. Then in verse 10, it says, he drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power and by his understanding he breaks up the storm. By his spirit he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And check this out in verse 14. Indeed, these are the mere edges the fringes of his ways. That's just a little bit about what he did. Just a little bit about what he did. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? If we begin to understand who created us, who made us, in Genesis it, it, it details it. God created the heavens and the earth. He created light and then he separated that light from darkness. He created the sun, the moon, and all of the stars. He created all the plants and vegetation as well as the trees. He created living creatures both on land and in the seas. He saved the best for last when he created you and me. He created man and he created woman. And after each day it says that God looked back at his creation and saw that it was good until the final creation which was us and he looked back and he said it was very good. He was extremely proud of the job he had done with us. You see, that's the God we serve. That's why we should have swag as a Christian. And that's why if we have swag without being a Christian or without God, we should be afraid. Because only with God does the, does the phrase, that which goes up must come down, not apply. See, if we'll serve God, we can keep going up and up and up and up and up and up and up, even after death but only if we choose to serve God. 
That's what Christian swag is about. The testimonies that come before you each and every day, every service that we have, we have somebody that's exploding on the inside so much they can't hold it in anymore. They've got to tell what God's doing in their life. That's an example of Christian swag. That's an example of a Christian standing with Almighty God. That's what we should all be striving for, and that's what we can all experience. We can all experience that overflow, that overwhelming feeling. One of the reasons I stayed off of drugs and alcohol was not just because I was an athlete, but I was blessed enough to have experienced time with God that gave me that same euphoric feeling that I heard about with drugs and alcohol with none of the side effects. I experienced such happiness in life from following God. The cool thing is I actually can experience it, remember it, enjoy it, and pass it along and not feel bad about it because I know that's what this world needs. That's that confidence. But that confidence has come through testimony. It's come through believing, but it's also come through not believing. Sometimes I get worn out because I don't listen to God and I don't do it the right way. I'll tell you the truth. I stressed a little bit today before the service. I knew we had a lot going on. There's a lot to take care of. And I take those things personally. I realize we have a lot of people in this church that help out and will help out. But I'm not always good about asking for that help. And so I end up putting more on my shoulders than I should. I know I'm not the only person to do that. I'm just speaking about my testimony. And God continually reminds me that he's in control. And he reminds me that typically when I'm getting stressed out. Because I've taken on more than I should have taken on. Instead of just relaxing and letting God be God. Instead of just relaxing and let the service happen the way God orchestrates it, I start taking on other responsibilities. I start trying to make things happen instead of being patient, instead of letting God work it out. It happens in other areas of our lives, too. I know I'm not the only one. If you're stressed in a situation, chances are pretty good that you're not operating with that peace that God gave us, that faith that he'll solve the problem. Or that he'll provide the blessing. That's what faith is. It's trusting in our Savior and not in ourselves. C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. And what that meant to me was, you can boast in yourself, you can boast in God. But if you choose to boast in yourself know that it's not true. Just because you say it's you doesn't make it true. Just because you tell others you're responsible for this or that doesn't make it true. What makes it true is when you boast in the right person, when we boast in God. You see, God is waiting for us to discover his awesomeness on a daily basis. He wants to see our faith grow. He wants to see our testimony build. He wants to see that faith circle continue without stopping. He wants our confidence to increase. He wants that boldness to add to our faith, to then increase our testimony, to then build our confidence, to grow our boldness, to add to our faith, and on and on and on. Never ending. That's why it's a circle. And as long as we put God in the center, that circle will never end. It will never be broken and it will never come back void or untrue. Let me give you another quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Every day, 
we face this battle. Who are we going to boast in? Paul talked about dying daily to the flesh. It's not a one-time commitment. You may get it right today, and tomorrow you're going to face the same battle and struggle to take ownership of something that's not yours. And you're going to have to put it down and, and elevate God and remind yourself who is really in charge. It's a daily, daily battle. But you see, this is the God we serve. This is my favorite author of all time. This is his quote right here. Got it from Jeremiah as well. It said, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's who we're serving, a God that knows our thoughts, that doesn't want evil for us but wants good, and knows our future and has a hope for us. We have hope in Christ Jesus. I want you to get your swag back. I want you to have that Christian swag by standing with Almighty God. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know who created you, and I want you to elevate the right person. Because if you'll do that, you will experience the most ultimate life, that fulfilled life, the most abundant life that God talks about in the New Testament. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.